Single parenting isn't easy. We understand. Most parents don't plan to go it alone, but you can still make the most of this journey for your children and yourself. In fact, if you and your family are on that journey, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Single Parent Advocate community and to our podcast. And here are your hosts, single parent founder, Stacey Poitras, broadcast journalist, single dad and friend, Daryl Moody. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us on the Single Parent Advocate Podcast. I am Daryl Moody, joining you from my home in Orlando, Florida. I'm going to take you now to the VentureX Castle Hill Studios to our host, the Single Parent Advocate, Stacey Poitras. She's also joined by Kelly Aceta. She is a, an author, a motivational speaker, and a truth coach, and uh, is joining us today. Thank you, ladies, as always. Hi, Daryl. It's awesome to have you here, too. And Kelly, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm super excited to be here. Kelly has inspired me in so many ways. She's also reached into the uh, whole single parent advocate community, done some training last Mother's Day. That was a year ago. Wow. I can't believe it's already been a year. A year I mean, really. And then we had a five-day intensive on getting our hearts and our minds straight. I can't remember that exact date, but she's been leaning in, helping single parents with us. And so... It's supernatural to have you right here. Oh, well, thank you. And, you know, single parents are just so close to my heart. I was raised by a single mom and uh, in Los Angeles, California, three kids. She had never gone to college. She went from her father's household to her husband's household to now having to support three children completely on her own. And, you know, it, things were so, so tough financially and emotionally on her. And she just always filled the house with love and laughter and watching her work. Uh, she would have a two hour commute in LA, you can imagine. That's a short commute for LA. No, two hours. Oh, two hours in the morning. Way. Yeah, two oh. hours in the morning, two hours in the evening. So she would leave the house at 6 a.m and uh, get to her office at eight, and she wouldn't get home until about seven or 7.30. So, uh, and that was every single day. And uh, I have two older brothers, and any of you single moms out there or single dads that have boys, you know teenage boys are like hooking up a vacuum cleaner to your your refrigerator. Uh, So feeding those two growing boys and myself, was a very big challenge and she just did it with so much grace and so much love and so anytime i can serve your community and lift up your single parents i am just 100 percent on board awesome it has been awesome sauce to have you do all that you've done one of the things that you talked about to our community is your book how to diffuse landmines we have in our lives for everybody who's out there, this is what the book looks like. And we hand this out to families. Um, and I, I wanted you to kind of talk about, you know, the book and what it says. And then also, you know, did did some of these revelations kind of tie back into your experience? And what would you leave as a message for people in that boat? Or even sometimes the, the children of single parents write in and they say, you know, do you have some advice for us? Mm-hmm. So maybe... Uh, the book is is so relevant to anyone 
that is dealing with these different landmines. And, you know, life is already hard enough, Stacy. <laughs> Daryl, you can attest to this. There are so many things in the world that we have absolutely no control over. What's going on in the government, what's going on in the world, our bosses, our kids' school. There are so many things that we have no control over. And after teaching and training on five different continents, 38 different countries, I came to realize that there were certain things that we do on a regular basis that actually cause even more uh, strife and drama and trouble in our lives. And I, I started coaching people on how to get rid of this in their life. And uh, somebody asked me if, uh, about four years ago, what do you do for a living? And I said, I help women diffuse the landmines they plant in their lives because that is truly what I do. The, the landmines I talk about in my book, uh, and you've read my book, uh, are things like mommy guilt. And, and now I've, I'm learning that there is also daddy guilt. Um, I'm uh, in the process of lining up the, the men that I'll be interviewing for my follow-up book because so many men have read the book and said, hey, we guys have a lot of these landmines as well, and we need just as much support and information. We need to coach. <laughs> explain, explain what mommy or daddy guilt is just for the listeners. So mommy guilt and some women, uh, you know, are affected by it. Some women aren't. And uh, but I was one of those that did. I was so affected by mommy guilt. I was also a full time working mom and you know, when I would miss an event or I would let something fall through the cracks by accident or I would pick up the kids and they were, you know, crying and saying, why do you have to work? I, I just want you to stay home. You know, uh, there are so many instances that, that women tend to just start beating themselves up and, and feeling guilty. And, you know, how to resolve that uh, is very important. And then I have girlfriends that they have full-time careers. They they don't deal with that issue at all. It, it really is each individual of the, the parental guilt thing. Uh, another landmine that's in here is comparison, uh, insecurity, doubt. I'm guilty of that every Don't compare. Day. Comparison is a big one. And so what I love about the book is, A, it's short. <laughs> because I... Uh, I'm a mother of two, busy, busy career mom, and uh, later in my life, single career mom. And, you know, we I have a stack of books. Daryl, I don't know if you have the same thing. I have a stack of books next to my bedside. Oh, that, I, I, could, I could point it. They're right over there. Yes, yeah. and I, I, I'm excited about reading these books. I'm excited, but they have been sitting there for so long, and I did not want this information to be... Um, just sitting there gathering dust. This is life changing. This is transformative information for uh, any parent that is um, dealing with with things like uh, insecurity, doubt, especially if a parent is in the middle of a divorce at the moment. Um, one of my biggest chapters is negative self-talk and also bitterness and unforgiveness. That bitterness and unforgiveness is a double-headed landmine that will blow up and set every other landmine off and, uh, and trigger each and every one of them. It'll trigger insecurity, doubt, 
comparison, uh, mommy guilt, uh, gossiping, backstabbing, that one bitterness and unforgiveness landmine can really create havoc in our lives. So that's why I wrote the book. I just really want to serve uh, the community of parents out there. And, and actually, it's not just for parents. A lot of parents, after they read it, give it to their teenage daughters to read um, and then their sisters and then their moms, because once you've figured out how to get rid of all those landmines and create a place of peace, you don't want anyone in your life exploding their landmines around you <laughs> you so end up true. getting hit with the shrapnel <laughs> that's so true i find myself going back to you know gossiping negative self-talk you know and if you uh actually spend time with kelly she's so attuned i was walking down the hall just a minute ago and she said no oh, you need to say this instead you know and it's just so meaningful to know how to catch yourself it it's like you don't you may be on a path to self-improvement and wholeness and uh you know self-care and still you know you kind of bumble along the way adopting these new habits and these new mantras and you know maybe you might have a word for somebody who's kind of on that becoming journey about you know how do you how do you treat yourself as you are you know taking your landmines and uh, making them where they can't blow up anymore. But, but let's say you have an accident and all of a sudden you gossip, you know, what's your word of encouragement for somebody who's kind of like on the path to becoming their full potential in this area? Well, the main thing of encouragement is <laughs> the only way I knew how to write about these was because I had them all. <laughs> so if you go through the, the, uh, the, uh, chapters and say, well, I really don't have that one. I'm not struggling with that. Feel good about yourself. Um, but it, it is a process. It's a journey. And, you know, so often once we finish high school or college, we're so resistant to learning anything new. And I really encourage you keep growing, keep learning, especially for your kids' sake. And they can teach you a lot as well. And my daughters, now one is 26, the other is 22. And I'm learning so much from them, from their different perspective of life and the world. Uh, your children know a lot more than, than a lot of times we give them credit for. We're so busy in our life that sometimes we miss uh, some of the giftings that they've been given. And just give yourself grace. As you're getting rid of these landmines out of your minefield, you are going to replant one of them. You see a post on Facebook, uh, and I tell a great story in uh, my book about comparison and, and Facebook and how it can feed into that and, and how to get rid of that landmine. But every once in a while, it can rear its ugly head. But now you know. Now, and that's, you know, with anything, when we want to get better at something or we want to change something in our lives, so often it's all it is is a habit. We've created a bad habit and all it is is catching that bad habit and having something to substitute instead of that bad habit. And that's what I give you in this book is strategies to when you catch yourself speaking negatively about yourself, wow, you can just turn on a dime and now you know exactly what to do to rein in that negative self-talk, become a spin doctor and start telling yourself um, 
all the positive attributes of your situation or of uh, your day. When I was going through my divorce, there were some days the only positive attributes I could honestly say about my day were that my daughters were healthy and I could breathe, I could walk, I could see, I could hear, I could smell, and I could eat. The other, everything else in my life was going down the, the drain. And I had very few things to be grateful for. But that is where we can start. When we're in a negative place, we can just look at what we do have and focus on that. And then that can make us take that one step forward and that one step forward. Because what we think expands. How we think feeds what we're thinking about. So if we're thinking about nothing but negative, it feeds and grows. It's like fertilizing weeds. If we are thinking about positive and, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, think, oh, thoughts are things. That's nice for a needlepoint pillow or whatever the case might be. But there is absolute research by uh, many, many scientists out there. One of my favorites is Dr. Uh, Caroline Leaf, and her book is Who Switched Off My Brain? And she has shown without a shadow of a doubt scientifically that when we think a thought, it releases chemicals into our body, and then we start to feel a certain way. So if we can control our thought life, guess what? Those chemicals that cause us to feel sad or anxious or depressed won't be released. And conversely, if we think positively, it will control and, and release those chemicals like endorphins and dopamine that, that make us feel better. So no kidding, when you catch yourself, once you know what the landmines are, that's the, the key is knowing what they are. And then when you catch yourself doing it, don't beat yourself up. I never want to teach anyone anything to give them reason to then feel worse about themselves. Now, once you catch yourself doing it, then switch. Know how to switch, change the script, and move in a positive direction. Yep, absolutely. And it's it's a discipline. You know, um, for me, I often, I have used your book almost like a little life script like I'll go back to something if I catch myself and I'll say okay what did Kelly say you know <laughs> and as I bumble along the way you know it's been really interesting you know we find ourselves in new environments you know we find ourselves in new situations and like you said there's certain triggers that we don't necessarily know you know about that trigger right and so um, a lot of times if we're what is it the halt you know, are you tired? Are you hungry? Are you lonely? Right? Are you angry? And those kinds of uh, states of mind really make us, you know, not able to really bring out our best selves. Right? And so, you know, I really like that formula. It's really ex exciting to kind of see that these are the times when I don't show my secure side or my state, you know, we want to be our own best friend so that we can be a great best friend to our kids, you know. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the most important aspects when I'm when I'm coaching uh, women that are going through divorce, and I've only coached one man, so I can't really speak to this for the men, um, but when I'm coaching 
women through the divorce process, it, you know, the anger, the bitterness, the, that can really affect the kids. And I was affected when my parents got divorced. It was, uh, Daryl, it was back in the seventies and, you know, they didn't know how to divorce healthily. <laughs> and so they were using the kids against one another and pitting us against, uh, it was, it was terrible. Uh, my mom overshared way too much information. And mm. when I was going through my divorce, I felt, I saw, I saw the, the, the opportunity to drag my kids into the mess because I couldn't talk to anybody else because I was so um, hurt. I was so embarrassed. I was so, it was just terrible going through it. And my kids were right there. So it would have been a lot easier for me emotionally to drag them into it and unleash my sadness, my bitterness, my anger of this is why I am angry at your dad. This is why I'm divorcing your dad. And I, I find many women do that, that I'm coaching. And I just wanna share with you, that is absolutely something you need to avoid. Get a counselor, find a good friend you can walk through with this, find somebody at your church or your house of worship. Your children, you're gonna have to have a relationship with that parent for as long as your children exist. My kids are 26 and 22 and my ex is still a very big part of my life because they are a big part of my kids' life. And as angry as I was with him, I really understood from walking through it as a child, I really understood how crucial it is for us as parents going through a divorce not to put our kids in the middle, ever, ever. If you're angry or upset with your ex, take it to your ex. Um, and you know, a lot of kids will use that against us when they can figure out how, that's what my brother did, my middle brother, started pitting my mom and my dad against one another and playing them off one another and then started pushing her buttons of, well, I can't do this. I'm going to go live with my dad. And finally, she said, fine, go. <laughs> that was the best thing that she could have done because she let him slide and let him slide and let him slide on so many things that she knew was wrong for him, wasn't healthy for him to be doing. He was getting in trouble. He was going down a path, the wrong path. And actually she waited too long. And because of that threat, you know, kids can figure out how to push our buttons really, really quickly. You know and what Dr. Phil would say? <laughs> he would say, I wonder where he learned that. It's like, <laughs> you you know, you describe like what the divorce was like in the 70s, you know, fast forward. And then here he is using all that he watched to try to manipulate his own way. Like, you know, I think that the kids, you know, you what monkey see monkey do you know don't tell me what to do yeah but show me what to do kind of a thing exactly and you know it's 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 tough and and there's no easy answer and all that i do is just try to really lift you up and keep you in a positive mind frame because uh, there is no such thing as neutral, Stacy. I've told, I've had this conversation with you. As a matter mm -hmm. of fact, you know, we can either be thinking um, and going backwards negatively, or we can be thinking positively and moving forward. And a lot of people think that they they're just in this 
neutral place. And there really is no such thing as neutral. And we have a choice we can, and that's one of the, the chapters in the book, one of the landmines that I talk about is victim mentality. And uh, we, ha we have the choice every minute of every day of whether to be a victim or to be a victor in our life, no matter what we've walked through. Uh, people like Oprah Winfrey, she walked through tragedy after tragedy after tragedy in her life. I always, when I was feeling uh, like throwing myself a really big pity party, I would, I would just look at you know somebody who had something that they were going through and walking through that was worse than what I was, and I would go and try and help them or serve them, and then it was like. Wow, you know, my my stuff is nowhere near as bad as that, and and I need to just be appreciative of what I have. So, yep. lots of lots of um, lots of emotions going on, and if I can help with strategies to <laughs> navigate those emotions, that's that's my purpose in life. Gratitude is grounding, right? Yes. You know, we always uh, talk about our gratitudes. And, um, you know, one of the things that I, uh, you know, have really been working on is uh, doing like a gratitude journal, which is another thing you talked about, you know, and making sure, you know, what are you grateful for? Um, even like you said, if it's the small things, you know, but one of the other uh, skills we talked about, I think, is, you know, uh, what, do, you know, what are you grateful for? tomorrow, like in, in your life that you uh, are building and working toward, what are you grateful for then? And go ahead and think about those things now and say, you know, tomorrow, here's what I'm going to be grateful for. I'm going to be grateful for what my dreams are. I'm going to be grateful for like, I'm hoping, you know, to have a sponsor for a single parent advocate. And I just said it again. And it's so funny. Like we catch ourselves hoping and thinking instead of intending, right? Like we just talked about earlier. And so, um, yeah, be gra grateful for what you see, but be grateful for what is going to come when these things are no longer in our way. Mm -hmm. Right? Absolutely. And, you know, think about, like I started off the conversation, Daryl, you know, life's already hard enough. You know, whether you're a single mom or a single dad, life is already hard enough. And uh, why make it even that much harder with things that you have direct, we have direct control over whether or not we allow them to exist in our life. And just like what you were talking about with, you know, just even your language, um, you know, hoping, I hope this happens, or I wish this would happen. That is, is such a wishy-washy way of, 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 of saying what you want. And so your brain, your brain is literally your subconscious, not your conscious mind. Your subconscious is literally like a two-year-old and it will do and believe anything that you tell it. I'm not kidding you. And this is all scientific research. Like I said, Dr. Caroline Leaf's book explains it all. So if you just continue in your life hoping things happen or wishing for them to happen. Your brain never kicks into gear to say, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so whenever we speak anything, and I and in this book, I talk about I am statements. There's a great, great free resource for any of you on my website, uh, which is truth.coach. And it's the three ways to have a 
spectacular day. And uh, I came up with, the, well, these strategies were just for my own benefit uh, to survive when I was going through the worst part of my divorce. And there are three things that I did. Uh, I was at a place where I was just wanting to pull the covers over my head, you know, every morning. And I was like that for about two weeks and finally said, okay, this has got to stop. What am I doing? What am I letting? What am I allowing uh, into my day to day that's making me feel like this? And so I came up with these three ways, three things that I did every morning and I started having a better day. And then the next day was better than the, the last. And the next day was the better than the last. And so much of it has to do with uh, of how we say what we say. Um, I'm so overwhelmed. Oh, I've got to pick up the kids. Oh, I've got to go work out. No, I get to pick up the kids. I get to go work out. I am so energetic. I can go and do anything that I need to do today. You know, it, it sends different chemicals to your body. It is truly amazing. And I'm going to give you all an example to show that I'm right, because Every single one of us as parents, especially single parents, every single one of us had a situation where we were either sicker than a dog or busier than we've ever been and we had to pull something off. Either a, a presentation or being there for our kid at a, 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 a recital, something. And we all day said, I can do this, I can do this. If I just get through this, I can go to bed. I can do this, I can get it done, I can do it, right? We've all had to push through. At, there's been something that, that's happened in your life that there was no way of calling in sick. There was no way of not making it happen. And you willed yourself into making it happen and you pulled it off. And that's exactly what you have the ability to do every single moment of the day. It's all in how you speak to yourself and, you know, inside and outside and uh, and also how you let others speak to you. And that's that's a whole different topic. <laughs> but the first line in that book is uh, for the self-talk chapter is most of you would never let someone talk to you the way you talk to yourself. And that is something I want all of you to think about. Yep. Well, and that's that's one of my biggest things. You know, I'm always, you know, taking inventory and I've really had to work hard to pivot on that since, you know, we started really learning from you as a community. And so, um, you know, when I catch myself with that, I just I'm like, OK, we need to be more kind. And so I'll just give myself sometimes a little even a physical pat on the back, you know, like, hey, I love you. You know, it just seems a little weird at first, you know, but it really makes me peaceful, much more centered to be my own cheerleader. It's just totally a different way of thinking and approaching every day, every person, every moment. Take a minute and just go hey, you got this, or go ahead, flick your hair. It's pretty today. Or, you know, <laughs> I don't know, all these different little things where you are the kind of friend to yourself that you really desire to have in an actual physical friend or family member, you know? Absolutely. And this is also something that I really, really try to drive home with my coaching clients is that 
if you're constantly looking for significance from outside sources, you will always be disappointed. You have got to find significance of who you are from right within. And for me, it's it's God and he helps reveal um, my gifts and, and why I, he thinks I'm wonderful. Um, but whatever it is, if, if we're constantly, it's like a candle, Stacy. you know, if we walk around and, you know, we're waiting for somebody to light our candle, you know, uh, do you think I'm pretty? Do you think I'm worthy? Do you think I'm, I'm doing a good job at work? You know, we're always looking for those compliments to light that candle. And then someone lights that candle but as easy as it gets lit, sometimes it gets blown out just as, as easily. And so what I tell my clients is you've got you've to figure out how to light that candle within. Within you, no one can walk by and blow that candle out. It's a fire within you. And you have the ability to turn it into a little flickering flame or a raging inferno. And no one can come by and pour water on that. Um, there are so many times in my life, if I think back, where I had an idea or I wanted to do something in my life. And in, earlier on in my life, when I had no self-confidence and I had no uh, strength, I was holding my candle out. I was very uh, insecure and uh, suffering from doubt. All these landmines were just uh, planted. And, you know, I would let people steal my dream. And there's many things I look back on and sometimes with a little bit of regret that I allowed someone to steal my dreams. But you get to a certain point in your life and you say, no, I'm going to be accountable to him, me and my family and whatever anyone else thinks about me. That's their opinion. And I always have the 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 philosophy, I guess, of, you know, Stacy, whether you like me or not, that's your decision. Whether you respect me is my decision. Oh, that's really, really true. Really and that's true. really that's all I can be concerned about. Yep. And being being around people, I, I I have this little bookmark I made. It's successful single parenting in the last S. You know, S you. I'll, I'll, everybody knows how to spell successful. Anyway, the last S stands for surround yourself with friendly, positive, supportive, kind, and you know all the good words, people and family. And then if you need to back off from someone who is uh, not necessarily building you up and helping you build yourself up and being an affirmative part of your world, it doesn't mean that you just have to like excommunicate them, but perhaps in the circle of intimacy, they get relocated, still loved, still, you know, part of your life if they're, you know, not abusing you, right? But, you know, certainly, uh, you can adjust levels of intimacy with folks. And if that's not possible, um, you can also, um, you know, control your interactions with them. Oops, when it goes negative, sorry, you know what? I, I gotta go. Um, I, I really am glad to hear from you and I'll look forward to hearing back from you soon, you know? And you just, you try to create an environment to really shine and allow yourself that good medicine of good friends, good family, good content, you know, don't listen to negative music, you know, uh, 
make sure, you know, what is that old saying, garbage in and, and garbage out, you know, whatever you put in your spirit, whatever you put in your mind, whatever you put in your heart, you know, it's going to manifest, it's going to come out mm -hmm. on the people around you and vice versa. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, a question I had to ask myself and, and you know, I've I've when you were going through the five day challenge mm -hmm. to master your thoughts and emotions, we talked a lot about this is do the people in your circle of influence celebrate you or tolerate you? And I had to look at, you know, OK, who are the people in my life? Are they celebrating me? Because I'm celebrating them. I'm celebrating I love celebrating people and I had to look, you know, are they celebrating me or are they tolerating me? And setting healthy boundaries is all about making sure the people that are in your innermost circle are people that celebrate you and not necessarily are always yes men. The, the people in my most inner circle call me out on stuff all the time, but they are always in my corner. They're never uh, jealous. They're never um, catty. They don't. I don't catch them talking behind my back to another friend. They're they're always uh, there if I need a, an extra word of encouragement, and I'm always there for them as well. And unfortunately, I meet a lot of people that have never had people in their life that celebrate them. They just tolerate them. They're in their life. They're and and that person then is doing nothing but trying to get attention from the people in their life. They're trying to live up to some invisible standard or live up to some invisible thing. And then that makes them a person that people even then don't want to be around because they're trying to get their candle lit by people that don't want to light their candle. <laughs> <laughs> or aren't close enough to. <laughs> right. You know, there's another thing we talked about was that we have people in our lives who are the affirming, uh, positive people. And sometimes um, they're in our lives already. But because we have the wrong people in our inner circle, we can't really get close to the people that are really healthy for us and our kids, you know. And so sometimes when we go ahead and make that exchange, we find opportunity and really not just opportunity for a healthy friend, but maybe practical opportunities in life because we've changed where we're standing, you know, or who's standing with us. Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, there's no... You know, my ex is in my inner circle. Um, even though we have had our knockdown dragouts, and I want to make it very, very clear that when I teach about unforgiveness and holding on to unforgiveness or bitterness, when I talk about forgiveness, I want to make it very, very clear that by forgiving someone, that does not validate or justify what they've done to you. What it does is freeze you from that negative emotion. And so even that my ex is in my inner circle and in my inner sphere, um, I've also in a very um, kind way shaped new boundaries for how we interact. And not that he celebrates me, but he is absolutely in my corner and 
And I know that if anything was I needed for the kids or even for myself, I know that that he would be there for me. And you can get there. Um, we were so not there. <laughs> for a very long time. Um, But you can get there. And truly, life becomes so lovely when the people, and uh, I've heard this said in, in many success circles, is look at the five people that you spend the most time with, and that's who you are gonna become. So if we're spending the most time with people who are catty and gossiping or negative or drama or just can't say a nice word about anything or anyone, including themselves, if all we're doing is spending our time with those people, you can't change someone. And I know a lot of times uh, we like to try and paint the red cross on our chest and save everybody. But if somebody wants to be that way, that's their choice. You can't change them, but you can change how much time you spend with them. And we talked about in the five day challenge about emotional currency. We only have a certain amount of emotional currency every single day. And so if the if out of the five people you spend the most time with, three of them are just draining your bank account every single day, then you don't have enough emotional currency for your kids, for your job, for for some self-care, which is necessary. <laughs> it's not a luxury. It is an, it's a must. Uh, you have got to take care of yourself and uh, spend some time just on things that you enjoy, maybe an hour a week or two hours a week. It will change your life when you start pouring back into yourself. And, um, and that's another thing that I really, really uh, talk about a lot is, you know, we have a certain amount of, of hours in a day and we keep pouring into everybody, right? We, we pour into our kids, we pour into our job, we pour into our, our um, significant others or spouses or whatever the case pets. might be, pets. And we're pouring in and pouring in and pouring in. Eventually your pitcher is going to get empty. And if you don't fill that back up, with things that you love to do. That's what reignites your energy. Uh, Taking a long walk, reading a book you wanna read, watching a TV show you wanna watch, um, going and working out, whatever it is that refills your energy, refills that bank account, you've got to prioritize. It's not a luxury, it's a necessity. Because when I became an uh, an empty vessel, I became the parent I did not wanna become. Mm. I was, I was short-tempered. I was um, I was just not the parent that I, I wanted to become. And when I finally started prioritizing, first it started out with just one hour a week. And I would go to dance class. I hated going to the gym. I had to, get, to dance. Yes. And I, I hate going to the gym. I was 30 pounds overweight and I needed to get healthy. And so I had a discussion with my kids and, and the people in my life. I said, I need two hours, half hour there, hour for class, half hour back. I need two hours on Wednesday nights that are that are mine. Can you help me? And everyone said, okay. And I laughed more, I hugged more. I was such a better mom because I was full. And I really encourage each and every one of you single parents that are, are watching, Yes, your kids are important. Yes, your career is important. Yes, life is important. But you also have to be 
not at the bottom of the list of priorities. You're, you have to be up there and, and doing things that fill you back up are critical. Well, I was thinking, you know, as you said that about how, um, you know, we as single parents, I think we, you know, we go through really taking self-care and just pitching it out the window. It's like, I don't have time to take care of myself, right? But if we do that, what are we teaching our kids? We're teaching our kids, hey, you don't have time to dream. You don't have time to be creative or, you know, have extracurricular activities. It's just all business, baby. And, you know, what is it? All work makes Jack a dull boy or something like that. You know, like we have as as humans, the need to dream, the need to play, the the need to, um, and as parents, I think the responsibility to teach our kids to play and to dream and to aspire and to laugh and to have joy, you know, so that's very smart. Absolutely. And, you know, our kids emulate what we do. And my daughter uh, saw me work like a maniac, uh, you know, seven days a week, basically. And I've had to have conversations with her of, hey, that was not healthy. I should not have have done that. And I should have been taking my Sundays off. And, you know, uh, she's 26 now and she is a workaholic. She is incredible. She is dynamic. She is spectacular at what she does. But wow, is she a hard worker? <laughs> I don't want her to repeat the same thing. Being still and recharging your battery is it's absolutely a must it is so whether it be still but working out but being still meaning you're in charge of of you're directing it towards your growth your your um happiness and and what you want to do so well i think for me you know uh, not being still was a way to hide mm-hmm. um i would hide in my to-dos or hide in my chores. And, you know, my my stepmom, she tells me all the time, she said, Stacey, do you remember when you told me you want to live life so fast and you want to come into heaven with, you know, skid marks? You just don't want to waste a moment. You'll rest when you're dead. And I remember saying that. I was probably much your daughter's age in my 20s. And um, it really is a commitment. And like we're talking about with the landmines, it's a change in mindset to say, hey, I want to be whole enough to be okay with my thoughts. I want to be whole enough to have a hobby or have a friend and a dinner and not be so fear driven that if I put things down, all my to do's down for a little while, that it's not, that it's all going to fall apart, you know? Yeah. When really it's kind of falling apart all around us because we're not doing that. Yeah. Because we're neglecting ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Department of Human uh, Resources or Human Services, it's a government agency. They have so much research on how detrimental it is for us as, as employees not to take a vacation. I mean, there is just 
reams of research about how detrimental it is to an employee and to the company when their employees don't take vacations. So it just it's the same thing. It's we need to take care of ourselves. Again, it's not a luxury. It's a must. And so give yourself permission to put yourself up on the list, not the bottom of the list. And um, uh, I'd love to hear from you, Daryl. Is there anything that that any of this has kind of brought uh, to the surface for you as a, a single dad? To recharge my batteries, uh, you know, where I live in Orlando, we, we have no shortage of places to go and things to do. So I took my kids to a resort at uh, Universal Orlando, and uh, we spent the weekend at Cabana Bay. And we were there with my sister and her kids. And uh, we actually, each of us had a friend and their kids join us. So we had uh, four adults and nine kids at uh, a Cabana Bay uh, resort and spent uh, two night, two days there swimming in the pool all day. It was great. It was nice to uh, not only get away with my kids, but to uh, take a little trip with my sister and, and to kind of reconnect with her. You know, it's the first time we've ever done that as adults. And uh, we were talking about doing, doing more of that in the future. But, uh, you know, another thing I want to uh, touch on, and this was kind of the, toward the beginning of your comments, was identifying your landmines. Uh, and we talk about this a lot on The Single Parent Advocate. I do anyway. One of the biggest landmines for me is just being present with my kids. And for me, the, the, the reason that I have a challenge being present is just because of the anxieties of being a single parent and all the, you know, different plates that you have spinning at a given moment. You know, I caught myself, we were, we were uh, doing story time at the end of the night and I got one of these uh, kind of a Bible story readers. It's, you know, stories from the Bible that are written at a kid's level. And um, my oldest daughter is, she's seven, gonna be eight. So she's reading the story and the story is Moses and the Ten Commandments. And my youngest, my five-year-old asked me, you know, I thought, before we even got into it, I said, look, this is one of the most important stories of the Old Testament. You're going to hear about this all the time. This is the Ten Commandments. Trying to set it up for my, for my uh, daughter to read. And my youngest daughter is asking me, Daddy, why is this so important? Daddy, why? Daddy, why? And I turned around and snapped at her. And she's like, well, Daddy, I was just asking why. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I wasn't even listening to her asking me about what, what, you know, my oldest daughter is reading. So it was kind of, I caught myself not being present again. And of course I, you know, apologized profusely to my youngest daughter and, and, and said, uh, you know, I'm sorry. I, I was thinking about something else, but ask me your question again. And she said, why is the 10 commandments so important? So we got into that. So uh, any advice for me as far as how to kind of silence the noise in my head, especially when I'm in my kid with my kids to kind of not be consumed by everything else going on? You know, that is, it It really is a habit. And uh, so the, the best thing is you're catching yourself. So that right there, you're going to be able to start working on it. And, you know, the, the spans of time where you check out mentally are going to start to shorten, especially because now you've had to apologize. And I talk a lot about that is, you know, it's real important that we apologize when we do something that, is not cool. It's really important that we apologize to our kids. And, you know, it, it gives them a an opportunity to see that apologizing when you re, we do something wrong is important. It also gives them the ability to, to learn how to have grace for someone when someone has done something wrong. And then what it does for us as parents is, you know, you're going to get tired of apologizing. <laughs> Well, sure. <laughs> and, and so those those 
those spans are going to get shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. And one of the strategies that I used, because um, before I figured out I needed, and this was all at the same time, and even though I wasn't a single parent at this mo- at this time, my husband at the time was uh, traveling eight to 10 weeks at a time. So I was home alone with the kids with all full responsibility as if I were a single parent. Um, Not that I compare that, but I do know when it's all on your shoulders, you can lose your cool. And I was starting to lose my cool with my kids. And this is before I figured out I needed some time for me to just me. And your vacation sounds amazing and awesome, but you also need some time for just you to go do something just by yourself. Go fish. I did play around to golf last week. Too, Good. That's exactly, that's what I'm talking about. Um, and so what I would do is when I was tr- just turning around and about to lose my temper, I would picture somebody that I have an immense amount of respect for. And uh, in this case is when I was in this situation was my pastor. And I pictured my pastor standing right behind my kid. And I... <laughs> would ask myself, would you reply and respond with your pastor right there the way you're about to? And so that helped me break the habit. So like I said, give yourself some grace. You recognize the issue. You're apologizing. And as you apologize, you'll realize, wow, I, I need to really start addressing this. And you're going to start having an intentional intentionality about it. And now you'll be able to shorten uh, those episodes um, down to nothing at some point. Well, Not in those helping, moments, but when, and, and I've, I've kind of worked this through with my own counselor. I just, I just focus on my breathing. I try to like tone everything out, you know, tune everything out and then just focus on my breathing. And that kind of helps me center again. Uh, but, you know, as a single parent, as both of you know, it's, it's a struggle. Absolutely. And grace, grace, grace. Make sure you're giving yourself grace. And, you know, I talk to parents all the time about the fact that, you know, there is so much in my life that my parents screwed up and I I am the better for it, you know. So I, the fact that I had to come home every I was one of those uh, latchkey kids. The, there was no such thing as after school programs when my parents got divorced. When you were talking about your 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 mother's commute, I was going to ask, like, did she get help with childcare? I mean, oh you know, no, there was no such thing as childcare back then. So you were walking to school. I was walking uh, to school by myself as early as third grade, and I was crossing three major intersections. Uh, then I was riding my bike to school. Um, as as early as third grade, I was I was getting myself to school and back all the way till I was driving in high school. The, there was no bus service. There was no childcare, and I was getting myself home. Um, you know, latchkey kids. We had a key, is because that's what we were called. And I would uh, get myself home I would make myself a snack and I would get my homework done and um, unfortunately I was in a situation that uh, my oldest brother was not uh, being unsupervised was not uh, good for him because uh, he took full advantage of it and got himself messed up and a whole lot of things that I then was exposed to so you know all of that, you know, you can look at my story and just say, oh, my word, you know, but I'm fine. I, I learned a lot of lessons as a young person. It, it I grew up um, just oh, fine. And, and now, uh, you know, I'm a better human for it. And 
a lot of you will not make near the mistakes that were made in my childhood. And, you know, stop trying to save your kids from from problems in life. You are not doing them any service. They need to learn that there are consequences to decisions that they make. And the earlier that they learn that, the better. And so, you know, if you're a single parent and they get, um, they were doing something they shouldn't and they got into trouble, you know, that stinks. They got suspended maybe, or uh, they got in trouble by you and they're, they're getting consequences. That's okay. That is not, you're not hurting your child. You are teaching them at an early age that when you make a bad decision, there is often bad consequences that follow. And if they can learn that young in a healthy way where it's not a horrible consequence, now when they're a teenager, and they're looking at, you know, doing drugs or having premarital sex. Um, now they think, okay, what are the consequences? So, you know, stop beating yourself up with that parental guilt that I talk about. And just if you are fiercely devoted in love to your kids, that's what they need from you. That's it. Fiercely devoted to them and, and just fiercely in love with them. That's what they need. If they get that from you, you are doing a great job as a parent. I tell people there's a lot of yelling and there's a lot of chaos in my house, but there's also a lot of love. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, you know, I go back and I think about, you know, um, I, I was like mother hen, con, you know, really wanting to control my son's environment so that he wouldn't get hurt. So what you said is so like really probably speaking to a lot of people that, you know, we, we tend to, you know, want all of our chicks in the nest, you know, whether it's a curfew or whether it's, you know, setting someone up for success by putting them in, you know, a certain school or not a certain school. And, uh, you know, so that's really awesome. I mean, maybe it'll help us all, especially as parents, let ourselves off the hook a little bit. Um, and open up conversations for more loving, lifelong relationships that we will have with our children versus, you know, the protecting parent. Only the, we're always going to be protective, I guess. Yes, and, and I'm not sure, and I'm not saying, you know, don't keep your kids safe and make sure they have a safe oh, environment yeah. or, um, you know, work hard to put them in the right school that you feel is the best for them. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But, you know, your, your kid has um, a fight with a friend. You need to let them sort that out. You don't need to dive in and, and get with the other parent and try and figure out what happened and who was right and who was wrong and write letters back and forth. No, let them figure it out. And if that friendship goes sideways um, and your son or your daughter will know what role they played in it and they'll realize, wow, I mistreated that friend or that friend mistreated me and I'm not gonna stand for it, but they'll figure it out on their own. Whether uh, whether the friendship lasts or not, who's ever, I mean, I have a, a couple people I know from back when I was a kid, but that, that losing that friendship when they're, they're eight years old is not gonna have an impact on their life. Doing something to their spouse, treating a spouse a certain way and 
that could have consequences or treating their their best friend a certain way when they're an adult or their boss. So, you know, it's it's important we let our kids fight their own battles. That's really what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I really am excited, Daryl, that you had a fantastic vacation and got some self-care and that you're still out there playing golf. Um, I'm hoping the weather holds up. We had, we had rain in Dallas. Um, it's going to be rainy all week, but um, hopefully a lot of families are doing the same, having some time to have some personal breaks right now and be with their a kids. A lot of folks are on spring break right now. I mean, that's, that's how it was over by the attractions where we are. Everybody's on spring break for sure. Well, let's hope everybody's out there having a great time. Kelly, thank you. Let's tell everybody how they can connect with you. Uh, either my website, truth.coach, um, or if you would like the book, you can go to amazon.com and you can find the print version or the, um, the uh, reader version, the electronic version, and my website, you can find the audible version. So would love to connect with you and uh, go to my website and get that free download for sure about the three ways to to make sure you have a spectacular day. Those three things were were life-changing for me when I was going through a really, really hard time. And I know they'll they'll have a a positive impact on you as well. So look forward to it. And uh, I have a a Facebook Live every Wednesday night at nine. Grab a glass of wine and get in your cozy PJs. And we talk about issues that, that are going on in the world. So lots of ways to connect. Facebook, Instagram, all that. So, so, yeah, that's 9P Central, right? Yes. Yeah, Kelly's local here in Dallas with me. And don't so, forget the Single Parent Advocate Facebook page. Yes. Yeah. In fact, we have her Mother's Day presentation about her book. It's on uh, Facebook if anybody wants to go and take a look at that. She did uh, free from her heart to the single parent community out there, a nice synopsis of her book. And uh, so you can get a preview, sit down and watch that and, you know, just thanks for being who you are, Ladybug. Well, thank you. And Daryl, it was wonderful to meet you. And uh, thank you for having me on. And I think there were some announcements that you wanted to make. I know. I was getting ready to okay, do that. Well, let's do it. <laughs> so, okay. So we are doing this thing. Last year, we launched SPAEDU. Kelly was our very first speaker in SPAEDU. And so right now, we are having families go online to register for uh, financial matters. We're thinking that in April, you know, it's tax time. We're all working on our money and our finances. And so we have a vice president of BBVA Bank coming as well as Rika Wright, who's a finance coach. And she's gonna be digging in kind of like you did, except she's gonna be helping us with our money matters. So that's gonna be on April 24th from 10 to noon. And you go online and uh, you can see a link there to register. And uh, we'd love to see you there. It's all gonna be virtual, anybody can come. So join us there. And then um, right now we're just enjoying um, getting together with our uh, steering committee. We're planning for a Mother's Day outreach. We have a donation drive going on. It's called 50 for 50. We want to sponsor 50 single moms and give them a fun time. I have a comedian crew coming in and uh, it's going to be a really great time for those moms who do show up. Oh, so awesome. Yeah. So definitely join us online for Money Matters on April the 24th. Or if you're a mom in Dallas and you need a place to go for Mother's Day for you and your kids, let me know. And um, if you want to sponsor one of those moms, you can go to the donate page on the website, singleparentadvocate.org. So thanks, right, everybody. Bye, everyone.